Thank you, Didi, for sharing your music with us this morning. We really appreciate you. Our scripture this morning comes from 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 9 through 18. Hear now God's word. At that place he came to a cave and spent the night there. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, What are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. He said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now there was a great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the fi- earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Then there came a voice to him that said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. Then the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael as king over Aram. Also you shall anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And you shall anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, of Abimeholah, as prophet in your place. Whoever escapes from the sword of Hazael, Jehu shall kill. And whoever escapes from the sword of Jehu, Elisha shall kill. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. What are you doing here? No, really, what are you doing here? It's a question that causes you to look within. What are you doing here? It isn't a question that's just asking for information about something. It's a question that causes self-examination. What are you doing here? It causes you to think about purpose. What's my purpose for being here, where I am? In this time and in this place, why am I here? What are you doing here? It's a question we'll come back to. Over the past several weeks, um, maybe a month and a half, I've become obsessed with a TV show that's new to me. This is kind of a, a confession time for me, too. I watch too much TV right now. But I've become obsessed with this TV show called Alone. Has anybody ever seen any, any of this show? Okay, we've got one person. Um, So there's one season on Netflix, there's like six seasons totals, you can find them on different uh, streaming services, Uh, but it's made by the History Channel, and you can can check it out if you want to, but uh, here's here's the premise. 
10 people, 10 individuals are dropped off by either helicopters or boats in the middle of the wilderness. Each person is completely isolated and has no contact with any of the other people. They have no contact with the makers of the show or their families back home. There's no camera crew with them. And all they can take with them is a first aid kit, 10 survival items of their choosing, cameras to record themselves, and a satellite phone that they can only use to either quit or call for help. And if they call for help, then they are quitting because then they're out of the show. The last person remaining wins $500,000. There are two things that usually make people quit. Some people just can't physically stay anymore. They either get injured, they fail to find enough food through hunting or fishing, and they're forced to quit because their bodies just can't physically stay. Others quit because they mentally can't take it anymore. They miss their family too much, or they can't take the boredom of day after day after day of just being with nobody else but themselves. One of the contestants at one point said, if you're going to be out here this long, you better like yourself. Because you're your only company. A lot of them have emotional breakdowns and they call to be extracted, quitting the show and quitting the $500,000 prize. Many of them audibly ask these questions to themselves and to the cameras that they've set up. What am I doing here? What am I doing here? Why am I here? There have been six seasons, and the winners have stayed anywhere from 56 days to 87 days is the longest so far. Spoiler alert, I'm going to tell you about season two and who won. So if you plan on watching the show, I'm sorry. You're going to find out some this morning. David McIntyre won $500,000 after spending 66 days on Vancouver Island, where it gets really cold, experiences crazy strong winds, and on average, it rains 12 and a half feet per year. Oh, and it's also one of the highest concentrations of black bears and cougars in the world. Here's a picture of, of David. So throughout the show, the contestants have to film themselves. They've got, these, they've got several cameras that they've taken with them. By the end of the season, you feel like you really get to know the contestants who make it really far. Because with nobody else to talk to, they begin just talking to their cameras. And sometimes they, they bear their souls to these cameras and get vulnerable with the cameras. David often talked about his faith. I was planning to tell you a little bit about David's story this morning, earlier in the week when I was planning this sermon, but I decided it would, it would be better if I had an actual quote from him to, to kind of tell you his thoughts. Um, and so I found him on Facebook. Uh, he's kind of famous now after winning season two, so I, uh, I found him. It wasn't that hard, and I, I sent him a, a message on the off chance that he might respond, and I told him uh, that I was preaching on this story of a man who went into the wilderness alone uh, to hear from God. He responded, and after exchanging messages back and forth for a little bit, he gave me his phone number, and on Tuesday night this week, we talked for about 35 minutes. Here's what he said. He said that he spent the first 
30 days on Vancouver Island uh, losing 35 pounds because he had virtually no food. But he said it ended up being a fast, not just like in the physical sense, but in the biblical sense. He fasted out of necessity, but it was a fast. And he felt completely destroyed. He had, he had failed to gain the food that he thought he would get. And actually, he had come in to this experience on the brink of a breakdown. Before coming out to the island and on the show, he had just lost a 15-year career as a missionary in Brazil for various reasons. His marriage had fallen apart, ending in an ugly divorce. And he told me that he felt like he had nothing left except for health and his, his very life. In this completely isolated and depleted state, after a prolonged fast, he was led into a time of inward reflection. He said, I saw myself for the first time, and it led me to repentance. One by one, I laid down my faults at God's feet. He said, isolation forces you to deal with your dirt. When the body is in starvation, it expels toxins in your body, but also in your spirit. And then David said, I never would have gone there, not meaning to Vancouver Island, but mentally. I never would have gone there to the places where I dealt with the stuff I needed to. He wouldn't have gone there by choice. It is as if God was asking him, what are you doing here? Causing him to really evaluate why he had come on the show, but more importantly... Why was his life where it was? And finally he said, being alone allowed me the freedom to be with God and to express myself to God and feel his presence. David said he didn't even have any books or, or anything to occupy his mind. And all of that together is what made him really alone. He had nothing to occupy him. And it allowed him to go to that place of deep introspection. But after his fast, after that, that first 30 days, and he had this time of repentance with God, David says that God took care of him on that island. In fact, David is the only winner in show history to win while gaining weight because he had so much food. He started catching tons of fish and crabs. It's pretty fun to watch in season two. He told me stories of, of one day he was fishing all day long and catching nothing, which meant he didn't get to eat that night or the next morning. And as he was about to quit and go back to camp, he heard God say, go down, stand on that rock, and cast your line into the bull kelp. I'm not a, uh, I don't do extreme wilderness things. I didn't know what bull kelp was. But he explained, you don't cast your line into bull kelp. You're going to lose your hook. It's like a seaweed. But he heard God say this to him, so he said, okay. So he went and he stood on the rock and he cast his line out. He said the waves went back and forth and he expected the line to just break. And he ended up catching a huge fish. He said experiences like that kept happening 
And he ate really well for the rest of his time on the show. After spending that prolonged time alone with God, David experienced God taking care of him in his time of need. We rarely take time to really be alone with God. Even during a period of time when a lot of us are are fairly isolated from other people. How often do we take time to, to not even read or watch TV or listen to music and do nothing with God? If you ask me to describe the time that, that I spend with God, I would describe it to you by telling you all of the things that I do to fill the silence. Right? I would probably talk about Sunday morning first. I would say, well, on Sundays I come to church. And certainly this is a time when we come expecting to experience God, right? But it's also a time that we keep really full. There's not a lot of downtime in between things. Especially when we're trying to do 45-minute services. We move from one thing to the next. It's full of songs, prayers, liturgies, sermons. I would also describe to you my Wednesday evenings. I'm currently having Zoom discussions with about 35 members of this church um, about issues regarding racism and the black church's deep connections to the cross during the lynching era. It's a time I come to expecting to experience God through our discussions. But it's also a time that is full. We have an hour together. There's around 35 of us, each person having read a chapter in a book and having things to discuss. It's a time that is full. I would describe my mornings, some mornings, when I'm able to get out of bed and make my coffee before either of my kids wake up. These mornings are generally spent in solitude, drinking coffee, reading either my Bible or a theology book. And I do this because I expect to experience God through these activities. But all of these things that I just described are just that, activities. They're active. It's a rare thing to intentionally set aside time to experience God without bringing some sort of activity to the time. Elijah is a prophet of God in the 9th century B.C. And Israel has just had a string of kings who have failed to keep God's law. And the role of a prophet was to call the king and the people of God back to God and back to his law. Elijah has been trying to do that. Perhaps the most famous story of the prophet Elijah is one that many of you know. He's on Mount Carmel and he meets the prophets of Baal. And there's like a couple hundred of them. And Elijah says, here's what we're going to do. You set up an altar and I'll set up an altar. You ask your God to, to bring fire to the altar and then I'll ask my God to bring fire to the altar. And we'll see whose God is more powerful. Right, and the prophets of Baal call on, on Baal. And you know what happens? You know what happens? Nothing. Absolutely nothing happens. And then Elijah even pours a bunch of water on his altar, right? He drenches it soaking wet. And he calls on God, the God of Israel. 
And fire comes down from the sky and lights the altar and burns it to a crisp. This is always one of my favorite stories growing up. Still is. This happens in the chapter right before what I read to you a moment ago when we find Elijah, even though he's just had this great victory over the prophets of Baal, moping through the wilderness. In chapter 19, verse 3, we hear this. Then he was afraid. He got up and fled for his life, meaning Elijah. He came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he left his servant there, which means he was now alone. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a solitary broom tree. He asked that he might die. Elijah ran away into the wilderness, having lost everything. Everything except for his life. And now he's all alone. All he has left is his life, and he's asking God even to take that from him. But God wakes him up. Literally, if you read the story, he falls asleep and God wakes him up and says, eat. Nothing in the story tells us that Elijah brought food with him. He looks over and all of a sudden God has prepared a meal for him. So he eats and then he goes back to sleep. And then God wakes him up again and says, eat. You're going to need food right now because you're about to go on a long journey. So Elijah eats. And then he goes on a 40-day journey and fast in the wilderness until he comes to a cave at Mount Horeb. Mount Horeb is another name for Mount Sinai. It's the same place where Moses met God. After a night's sleep in this cave, God asks Elijah a simple question. He just asks him, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Elijah answers him, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. Do you hear the desperation in his voice? I alone am left, and they're trying to kill me too. Next comes the strange part. While Elijah's in this cave, there's this great wind that causes an avalanche. And then an earthquake. And then a fire. There's this repeated phrase that many of you probably have in your heads right now. But the Lord was not in the earthquake or wind or fire. After this comes... uh, something that's really hard to translate into English from the original languages because it contains kind of a paradox. Because after these things come the sound of sheer silence. The sound of sheer silence. And God meets Elijah in the silence while he's all alone God meets him after this dramatic 40-day fast and journey in the wilderness. And God speaks. But again, he simply asks a question. He's already asked it. 
and he's going to ask it again. What are you doing here? Elijah gives the same answer verbatim. As, as a reader to this story, it feels like we're not getting anywhere. It's the same question and the same answer. One of my undergrad professors, uh, Victor Hamilton, points out in his commentary in 1 Kings uh, that God did not ask, what are you doing there? If God had said, what are you doing there? It would imply that God is removed, that God is somewhere else. Instead, God asks, what are you doing here? Implying that God is there in that place with Elijah. And perhaps this is the most important thing for Elijah to learn in this moment. That God is with him. Even when he feels completely alone, God is present and God is with him. Even when he felt like he had nothing left except his life, he still had his God. Going back to my new friend David for a minute. When he was on Vancouver Island for 66 days, what he discovered was that even though he felt like he had nothing left but his life, he discovered that he served a God who showed up. Not many of us are going to be able to take a 66-day vacation. Not many of us are going to take 66 days and isolate from the world completely, from our families, from everybody we know. That's just not going to be a reality. But when I think about the ways Elijah experienced God in the cave, and when I hear stories like David's, I can't help but feel like I am missing out on a part of what it means to be a follower of Christ if I don't take time to be truly alone with God. After all, there's someone else in the Bible that took 40 days to wander in the wilderness while fasting. Jesus himself does this right after his baptism. And after fasting, the Bible says he was hungry. <laughs> Which we would think, yeah, he was hungry. He didn't eat. He was hungry. And he dealt with deep temptation. But ultimately, at the end of this time of isolation, his father shows up. Jesus was attended to by angels. And he was strengthened for the ministry ahead of him. This morning, I want to challenge us to hear the question that was so important, God asked it twice. What are you doing here? Why are you where you are? Why do you spend your time with the people you spend your time with? Why do you do the things you spend your time doing? Why do you read what you read? Why do you watch what you watch? Why do you listen to what you listen to? If we don't ask these questions, we are in danger of living our lives on accident without evaluating the purpose behind the things that we do. What are you doing here? We're going to take a few minutes here at the end of this service
uh, and just spend some time in silence before our last song. Now, this is merely a, a starting point for us because um, we don't have days to spend together in silence or to spend alone in silence. But after talking about the importance of silence, we felt it was important to actually take some time and be silent. We're not even going to have soft music playing in the background. And this, this might be uncomfortable for many of us. Um, I know as a parent, it would be kind of scary for me if my kids were with me. It's okay. If you aren't used to attempting to sit in silence, uh, it can be kind of intimidating. It can feel like really hard work. If you're a person whose mind tends to wander from one thing to the next, I want to encourage you to focus on your breath. And I want you to imagine that God is, is giving you each breath you take as a gift. And I want you to just sit and sit with the question, what are you doing here? 